That is the show. I'm the Rami half of that equation. The cattle's half out one more day. He's back Tuesday after the long Memorial Day weekend. Whitey in the co-host chair for one more day. Whitey, it's Friday. How are you feeling, my friend? I'm great. Thanks for having me one more day. And I'm also extra excited because we still have more basketball in the Eastern Conference. Yes, we do. Yeah. And, and a lot of shows, especially an afternoon show before a long holiday weekend, they'll come in and just go through the motions. And let's no. just get it. To, not this show. No, we sprint. We sprint to the finish line. I got Simone on the other side of the glass. I got Jay on the other side of the glass. We got Bobby Marks of ESPN. Joining us at 315. You can always get in on the show. Text 916 339 1140. You can always give us a call 800 920 1140. And you can watch us and comment at youtube.com slash Sacktown Sports. Hit that like button while you're there. Subscribe, rate, review, do all the things to help us grow this thing and uh, give you even better sports coverage of Sacramento and the surrounding areas. Last night, as Whitey alluded to, it was the Celtics extending the Eastern Conference Finals for at least one game. The series once 3-0 heat, now 3-2, and headed back to Miami for a game six. Whitey, we, we talked about the fact that, you know, this stuff this stuff often comes down to just just hitting shots. Just just hitting shots. And you can tell that this this Celtics team starting to feel themselves. They had the whole don't let us win one after game three. Mm-hmm. And yesterday Jalen Brown continued with that that sort of mantra. Yeah, we just got to be consistent. Tonight we were the tougher playing team. Um, we set the tone from start to finish, and uh, we had a great team win. We hit shots, and they let us get two, uh, so don't let us get another one. 110 to 97, and like you said, they let us hit shots. 41% from uh, three-point land, 50% from the field on the night, and this just looks like a completely different basketball team than what we saw in games one through three. Well, I think what has to be really alarming for Miami is they shot the ball well also. They shot 51.3% from the floor, and they made yeah. nine of 23 threes, but the big number was 16, as in 16 threes made for Boston, which was seven more than Miami. And also, Miami turned the ball over 16 times for the second Mm. game in a row. So they're making it a lot easier for Boston to get the offense going with some of those live ball turnovers. And they really, really missed Gabe Vincent. Yeah, they did. And and you saw that. And we talked before the game, Whitey, that – I mean, I'll, I'll be I'll be real. I'm okay. all, I'm also all right. honest and transparent. It's Friday, it's about time when I'm yeah. not when I'm not knowledgeable on something. I'm not a lot of sports radio guys will just come out and act like they know everything and have known everything forever. I didn't know a lot about Caleb Martin. I'm going to be real oh, with uh-huh. you before the playoffs started. But you know, you watch a lot of playoff basketball, and this guy just continued to deliver. He was averaging 17 and a half points coming into the game yesterday, and you especially need that guy when Jimmy Butler looks. Human looks pedestrian going five of 10 from the field for 14 points. But I think a lot of this comes down to Whitey. We've talked about the fact that this Celtics team is the more talented, more complete basketball team. It's just a matter of when they show up and when they don't show up. And Jason Tatum basically admitted, yeah, we're better with our backs against the wall. For some odd reason, even last year, we, uh, we always seem to make it a little bit tougher on ourselves. Um, but what I do know is that, you know, you can see the true character of a, of a person, uh, of a team, um, when things aren't going well and our ability to, um, come together, um, figure things out, you know, um, when it's not necessarily looking good for us, uh, it's unlike any 
team I've been on this year and last year, you know, just the core group of guys of, um, you know, being able to respond. Um, and I think that's just a, a test to our togetherness, um, you know, obviously how bad we want it. And, and we got we got room full of um, determined, tough guys that, you know, push come to shove. You know, you look to the left and the right and you believe that, you know, the guy next to you is going to do whatever it takes. I don't know what that um, is. Oh, sorry. And go down fighting if it, if it don't work out. Jay's hand went up, and I thought I saw it out of the corner of my eye. I thought he pointed at me like, "Oh, sound bite over." No, but I don't know okay, what. The, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know what that. I don't know what that trait is, Whitey, but it certainly seems to be a thing with this Celtics team. And it probably, well, I don't. I don't even have to say probably because normally I work with one on a day to day basis. And Nick Cattles, who is fine, and he'll be back on Tuesday, and we are I fine. Like Nick. And he isn't suspended, and we haven't gotten into a fight. You keep but- saying that. It's weird. It's like- <laughs> He's fine. Everything's <laughs> fine, all right? He'll be back on Tuesday. Huh. But – it, I, I, like I was saying, I don't need to, I don't need to guess or, or speculate or think. I know it drives Celtics fans absolutely nuts, the Jekyll and Hyde nature of this basketball team and how good they can look on some nights and how bad they can look on other nights. And, and they do seem to be better with their backs against the wall. And you talked about it. That's part of what gives them the makings of a team. If there is a team that can come back from 3 0 and a series where a team could come back from 3 0. This one might just be it. Yeah. I, to me, at this point, 3-2, it doesn't matter that they were down 3-0. Maybe I'm wrong. It, it could actually start to work against the Heat a little bit. But we have a series now, and it's 3-2 no matter how we got there. To me, Boston, it seems as if when people expect them to win, you're the best team, you're at home, you've got this, they crumble. But then when people assume that, wow, they're they're done, they're falling apart, that's when they play really well. But I, I, I want to throw one piece. It's kind of gossipy and maybe not totally justified, but just an observation from last night. May I? It's kind of like it's kind of iffy. Okay, sure. there may be nothing there. No, I like it. But we had in uh, I think it's Friday. When, Let's do this. First half, you had Jalen Brown. And he's got the ball and he's got Tatum ahead of him, and he could have thrown him the ball, and he didn't throw him the ball. It's like oh, okay, he didn't throw the ball ahead. Later in the game, fourth quarter. Um, Jalen Brown was coming down the right side of the floor, and there was a steal, and Tatum had the ball, and he could have turned and thrown it ahead to Brown. Instead, he went tried to go behind the back and threw it out of bounds. Never did I he remember turn, that yeah. play. Yeah. Did he turn yeah, to yeah, Brown yeah. and go, hey, my bad? No, he actually said something to Grant Williams. I mean, so I've heard it suggested that he said, well, if, if he— if he didn't throw it to me, I'm not going to throw it to him. Totally unjustified. It's just one of those weird Boston things that you look at it and go, huh. I, I mean, did, they're a really good team, but I don't know. I do remember reading uh, a report via a tweet. I don't. I, I wish I could attribute it to, to the right person, but it was when they were down 0-3 saying that someone in the locker room said that this team is tired of fake liking each other. Yeah, I saw that too. I saw that so too. That may, maybe you did see something <laughs> to to that effect, Whitey. I don't know. But when you say when you say it do, it it doesn't matter that it was oh three at one point. You know you know the old like there is a misconception that like oh the more you play the lottery the better chance you have to win. The more I flip this coin, if you know if I call heads every time, the better chance right. I have 50, to win. 50-50 every time regardless. It's 50-50 right. every time your chance of winning the lottery or whatever they they whatever the odds are on that yeah. particular draw, you know, based on how many people played. And I, you could say the same 
about these last two basketball games. You know what I mean? Like the the two that that the the Celtics just won to make it three two. Those are in the past, and yeah, absolutely, whatever the odds are for the games moving forward, are the odds for the games moving forward. Those hold those hold no weight in that. I I would disagree. I still look at this as you need to get four straight wins against Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler. And the Miami Heat. It's still, it's still. They need to put together in total, in totality, four straight wins against this basketball team. And I said to you yesterday, if they, if they make it three two, I'll start to think that the Celtics have a chance. I'm still picking the Heat, and I said I'd put it at about sixty forty. Did that, you pick them before the series? No, no, no. Okay. I'm just saying, yeah. for, from the time it was oh three, I, I was, and just about everybody was saying, well, it's, it's a done deal. It's a wrap. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna go ahead and 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 win this series. I, I said yesterday it'd probably be about sixty forty that I think the Heat are gonna win this series, even if the Celtics make it make it three two by winning Game Five. I might I might move on that a little bit and say it's. 55-45 now because two games in a row now, Whitey, and and what and the the first guy that I named in saying why I don't think the Celtics will be able to win four straight is Jimmy Butler. And two games in a row now, that guy has looked pedestrian. He looks tired. He's to looked me. human. And yeah. that's what I was just gonna say is that maybe all because he has done some heavy heavy lifting mm-hmm. in getting Miami to where they are now. Yep. He's done some serious heavy lifting to get them where they are now. And there is the chance that it's just catching up to him, that that maybe just maybe it's wearing on him and there ain't a lot of gas left in the tank for this playoff run. That If if that's the case, then then that, that obviously increases Boston odds a lot. If, if he doesn't have enough time to recover between now and game five or between or, – Game six and between game six and game seven. Yeah, that's why they sat him in the fourth quarter last night. And I agreed with that. Yeah, one more number to know. You know, numbers you start to get an ice cream headache. But Boston, <laughs> had, really, I understand that. But Boston had four guys who scored 20 or more, which is just a reflection of how much better they are at attacking Miami's defense. It's just really, that's one of the first things I look at for any basketball team. Hey, is their offense effective? Well, how many guys are scoring? How balanced is the scoring? You have four guys scoring 20. That is a very difficult team to guard. And by the right way, now. their leading scorers were Derek White and Marcus Smart. Yeah. A lot yeah. of, a lot of what, to guard when a team's doing that. A lot of what worked for them yesterday was they were, they were getting the ball to the center of the half, like around the circle, free throw line, drawing mm-hmm. a little bit of defense, and then kicking it out to their, their open three-point shooters. And Derek White and Marcus Smart were the, the greatest beneficiaries yep. of that. I mentioned Jimmy Butler. Afterwards, he said he, he knows what they're going to have to do to go ahead and, and, and end this thing on Sunday. We just got to play better. Saturday. Um, start the games off better on the starters. Um, make it more difficult for them. They're in a the rhythm since the beginning of the game, but we're always going to stay positive knowing that we can and we will win this series, um, and we'll just have to close it out at home. They're in a the rhythm, and they're feeling themselves, Whitey. Mm-hmm. I, I, I often say that confidence is a big thing across the world of professional sports. The two places where I think it matters most is when the ball is leaving your hand going towards the hoop and when you step in a batter's box in in the sport of baseball. Those are the two... Those are the two scenarios where confidence is the most important thing, and they, they their confidence is sky high right now. And when they get off to the fast starts, like Jimmy Butler mentioned, I think it just snowballs from there. And they go, oh, yeah, we are better. Let's go ahead and do this thing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
If I'm Boston, and I don't really like to root for Boston, I don't really. I'm like rooting to root for him for, for one, one more these, game. I yeah. want this thing to go seven. I'm gonna root yeah. for him for one more game. But I really would feel good about how well they've played the last two games. But I, I, one thing, and you alluded to it already. One thing I think we we've been we should have learned by now about the NBA this year, this season in the playoffs. One game doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the next. That's why so often we're sitting here going, "Wait a minute." How did that happen? And more than ever, it's so true. Look at the Lakers in the play-in against Minnesota, right? It's like, wow, they almost lost the play-in. And then they ended up going to the conference finals. So what we've seen the last two games, encouraging for Boston. What does it mean for the next game? It may mean nothing. We'll hit a quick break. On the other side, wait until you hear the 49er that Whitey is excited about. That's next. Cattles and Rock. Cattles and Rock. Sacktown Sports. JJ insinuating during the break that I'm already looking to the long weekend. No, man, I told you we sprint to the finish line. He was insinuating that you already started your long weekend. And he wasn't insinuating. He flat out stated it, and I think he's right. Yes, he did. He said in my head I'm already uh, having a a couple drinks with my friend who's Mm going to be in town from from Chicago. No, man, no, I am locked in. I am here. I am here to talk sports. I'm here to have a snack exchange at 445 on the show. I'm very excited about that. I feel like that could be a new tradition on cattles and rami right friday snack exchange on the show i can get i can get down with that Uh, a couple of your comments on the eastern conference well some of this was about the eastern conference finals a lot of this are your nick cattles conspiracy theories at youtube.com slash sports fine if you want to do that fine just hit the like button while you're there while you're there stirring it up and throwing gas on the fire fine just hit the like button and subscribe while you're there if you would please uh charlie says i heard cattles got arrested erroneous uh, P. Mike says, I can't believe Nick got fired. Erroneous. Says they should have fired Carmichael Dave instead. That's just mean. Um, <laughs> I noticed you didn't say that was erroneous. That's curious. Erroneous <laughs> and mean. All right. Uh, Manny, too legit. Now we get to the Eastern Conference Finals. He says, Butler is going to have to carry this team on his back next game. And I was talking about the confidence and the fact that the Celtics are feeling themselves. He says, you're always better when you're feeling yourself. I don't know if he was agreeing with me or if he was trying to make a uh, double entendre and be funny, but um, yes. I'll tell you what, when you start Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry, and I think somebody made this point in The Athletic, you're that, your offense is already compromised from the jump if that if they're in your starting lineup right now. A little bit, yeah. Both those guys uh, not in their prime, not in their prime anymore. Whitey Gleason in for Nick Cattles, who neither got arrested nor fired nor is dead or anything. Else. I hear the guy that's coming back isn't even really Nick Cattles. <laughs> We close it. Yeah. Gonna, it's going to be AI Nick Cattles uh, starting. We're going to say it's Nick Cattles, but just, I'll be looking very closely. But why do you you came in and 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 you we've talked about this on the air that you have a hard time really get getting up for OTAs and getting excited about OTAs and and you're just not in the football state of mind yet. So I was surprised. Uh-huh. When you came to me this morning mm-hmm. with a 49er who you're excited about. Yes, yes. Not only that you have a 49er that you're excited about, but which 49er it is yeah. that you're excited about. First of all, if I may, I yes. understand the importance of OTAs. It's just, let's face it, there's sure. just not yeah. usually a lot going on. Yeah, no, that's I get, all. Yeah, yeah. That's all. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm really excited about one of the rookies of one of the third round picks. A third round pick. Yeah. Yeah, that's where they took. Uh, yeah, that's where they took money. A kick money. That's his nickname, Money Moody. I'm not making that up. Yeah, 
This guy has nails. And what I love about him is that the more you read about him, he made the Michigan team as a freshman, which is not easy to do. And he was their like their long kicker, their kickoff guy. And then November 17th of his freshman season, the regular kicker got sick. So it's like, hey, money, you're kicking field goals today. Six for six That's as not a bad. freshman. That's not bad. Yeah, and he's just kept it rolling. And, you know, the Michigan special teams coordinator is Jay Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh's Wait, there's brother. There's another Harbaugh. And John Harbaugh's brother. And Jay Harbaugh, you know, all the Harbaugh's, they share intel. I legit did not know there was another yeah. Harbaugh. How many of these are there? Jay, I don't he's I don't know what he, I'm assuming he's his brother, but how Jay, many of these khaki clad in men are there? Jay Harbaugh <laughs> says that Money Moody is a lot like John Harbaugh's kicker, Justin Tucker. And I love Love that's, that. that. You see, that's that. In terms of the mental makeup, uh, Money Moody. I, okay, first of all, I wouldn't put that on that kid <laughs> to compare him to Justin Tucker. You. He was the mind. best you kicker could, in the it. league. You could put anything on him. It's like, but fine. you know what? Where's the goalposts? They've already put a lot on this dude for for the fact that you used a third round pick right? on a kicker, which mm-hmm. is not something that happens very often. But also, Whitey, you showed the door, and I've I've said this a couple of times throughout the off season. Uh, an an I don't want to say underrated or un- unrecognized move, but I don't know that enough people are talking about the fact that you showed the door to a guy who might be a Hall of Fame kicker. And oh, Robbie I think he Gold. would be. I think you're right. That's a great and, point. And he 27 for 27 in the postseason. And I know his kickoffs had become an issue, but I don't even know. And I, maybe if if they knew about the rule change that was going into effect, we talk about the onside kick rule change. Now, anything inside the 10 is probably getting fair caught and brought out to the 25. They maybe decide to stick with Robbie Gold. You know what? Because one of the th- one of the things they pointed to was the kickoffs and he mm-hmm. wasn't he wasn't getting it into the end zone as often as they'd like him to. But beyond that, I'm just saying to show the door to a Hall of Fame kicker and a guy that was 27 for 27 Very in the pricey. postseason, Very pricey. the longest streak in NFL history and then draft this kid third, he better be nails. He yeah. better be third money. Third round. They didn't draft Th- him third. No, third round. Third round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he, See what he tries to do? <laughs> he better You'd know. use the third pick in the draft on a kicker? <laughs> that would be no. wild. By the way, Chris Verlott, thank you, Chris, uh, texted me to point out Jay Harbaugh's Jim Harbaugh's son. Oh, his son. I'm sure, yeah, okay. Yeah, All right. So, uh, good to know. Thanks, Chris. But back to what I was saying. He better yeah. be nails. He better be money. He better have that mental makeup, whatever it is. Because there will there will be pressure on him. There will be eyes on him. And if things start, you know, sailing wide right, they're going to go, we let Robbie Gold go for this dude? You're you know right. What I mean? And you're absolutely right. And that's what I love about him. All indications are. You never know until you're actually out there on, on the, uh, the NFL gridiron. But all indications are that this guy's about as unflappable as they come. And I think they're sold on that. And that's why they feel good about it. Getting him in the uh, third round, and based on the way he picked and uh, kicked, pardon me, in the Big Ten, there's every indication that he's not bothered by the elements. Uh, you know, you're going to go play in Green Bay, perhaps. It's well, I don't know about that, but you know, some some cold weather cities in the playoffs. This is a guy that's proven he can do that. That is and true. It, it sets yeah. you up if it works out. It sets you up to have like you had with Robbie Gold, and you're right, he was great. You have a really solid excellent, reliable kicker for a long, long time. And I think that's a very big part of having a winning offense. That would be huge. Yeah. And, and I, I mentioned on the show yesterday that on some level, I, I do have to give the combination of, of Shanahan and Lynch. I, I have to give them some benefit of the doubt as far as their talent evaluation, their, their talent development once they get people in the building and in the system. So 
on, on on that level, it, it gives me confidence. But it's always it's always risky to to show a Hall of Famer the door at any position, and it's always risky to take a kicker in the third round, not with the third pick, but in the third yeah. round. Those are those are risky propositions, and and they it gambled, is. and and we'll see if it pays off. But they had to do it eventually with Robbie Gould. You know, he wasn't going to kick forever, and so if you have a guy now that you think, wow, that wow, this could be our guy uh, long term here, uh, I think it was worth the gamble in this case. We'll hit a quick break. We stay in the NFL and out west, and a surprising move by one of the teams out west. And uh, Devonte Adams tries to clear up some of his surprising comments from last week. We'll discuss next. That's the show. I'm the Rami. After that, Cattles will be back on Tuesday. Whitey Gleason in the co-host chair once again. Looking forward to talking with Bobby Marks, ESPN front oh, office yeah. analyst at 315. We'll talk some Kings off-season uh, potential moves with him. Again, 315, Bobby Marks of ESPN will join us. Some surprising news in the NFL this morning, Whitey. We were actually on our show meeting. That's right. We have meetings. We plan this thing. I know it may not sound like it sometimes, but we do. We prepare and we plan. And we were in our show meeting and Simone goes, the Cardinals just released DeAndre Hopkins. And I was like, what? And I so I was like, are you sure you're not getting got, Simone? Because, you know, you got yeah, you got <laughs> totally. jokesters on Twitter I now. Check. I had a good check. And now you can't even tell whose who's blue check mark is a blue check mark or just because they have $8. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard to tell. So we went and checked. And, yeah, he was he was released. The Cardinals released a wide receiver today. And uh, Darren Urban of the Cardinals website noted that Arizona will take a $21 million cap hit in 2023 unless they move it to a post-June 1st uh, cut, in which case they could spread it. Or actually, no, they've updated this article. They say that Arizona has already used their two post-June 1st designations on Rodney Hudson and J.J. Watts. So it's a $23 million, $21 million dead cap hit in 2023 and just released, not traded, got nothing in return. Right. Huge cap hit. I don't know necessarily what to make of this, Whitey. He did voice his, I don't know if I would say displeasure, but was quite open about what he wants in an organization and a quarterback a couple days ago. We played those sound those sound bites here on the show and uh, did not sound like Kyler Murray or the Cardinals fit those descriptions. Right. It was inevitable. And by the way, according to ESPN, in addition to the dead cap hit, they will save will the Cardinals $8.15 million in cap space in 2023, but they are set to take a dead cap hit. So I, I there's I guess that's some justification for them doing this. I'm, re- I'm fascinated to see where Hopkins ends up because he doesn't drop the football. He's really, really good. And so now he'll have his... Uh, you know, his choice of teams, presumably. I guess other teams knew the situation and knew that uh, uh, the Cardinals were over the barrel. And it's like, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine. I can't, I can't figure out how there is no market for a DeAndre Hopkins. And some people will go, oh, he's, he's old. He's been around forever. This is a guy that just a couple of years ago had 115 passes for just over 1,400 yards and six touchdowns. That was his first year with Arizona. Then in 10 games in 2021, he had 42 receptions for 572 yards. Then after he was suspended six games for violating the league's performance-enhancing drug policy last year, Whitey, he had 64 receptions for 717 yards and three touchdowns. I'm no mathematician, but that's about two-thirds of a season that he played. Got 64 catches, 717 yards, and three touchdowns. 
extract that over a full season. A lot of math. I and you're know. talking about a, over 100 catches, Ow. over 1,000 yards, yeah. and five or six touchdowns. I mean, he's still very, very productive in this league. And like you said, does not drop the football. Mm-hmm. His phone should be ringing off the hook this afternoon. He is 30, and it looks like the Cardinals clearly are trying to move off of uh, – uh, you know, the regime and everything the previous regime had set up over the previous, what, three seasons. So it's going to take them time to do this. This is one where you have to question the wisdom of it. But clearly, he had to go with the way he was uh, blasting his own quarterback. It had to happen some way. Just you would have figured, I'm with you, you would have figured, oh, they should be able to get something for him. Speaking of uh, disgruntled NFL wide receivers, it, it sounded like uh, Deon- not DeAndre Hopkins. That's the guy we just talked about. Devontae Adams was disgruntled with the Raiders and some comments he made to the Ringer last week. How could you be disgruntled when you have a Taco Bell in your house? That is true. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know how you're upset. What? I don't know how you're upset when you can get a, a taco pizza Anytime. right just right there in your kitchen. Yeah, yeah. fresh made. But no, he, he, he didn't seem pleased with the course, the direction that the team took in the offseason. He didn't seem too blown blown away by, by Jimmy Garoppolo being his quarterback after he came over to play with Derek Carr and then lobbied to get Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback in the offseason. But he reported to OTAs, and according to Devontae Adams, no problem and nothing to clear up here. Yeah, I'm ecstatic to get to work with the new guys. Jimmy's a great guy. I think we guy. have it. Yeah. I think we have him saying it, right, JJ? Well, I mean, it's no, it's not really setting the record straight. I mean, I think a lot of things get taken out of context when you don't have uh, an interview to look at or people don't know the full story. So, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, there's going to be opinions and there's going to be, um, you know, you're not always going to see things the exact same way. But the, you know, when you when you've earned a, a right to have an opinion or you, um, you know, you see things a certain way or even you know going into the the operation this off season, obviously. You know, I made poke fun at having Aaron here a lot, and why would I not talk about having, you know, best quarterback to play the game and a guy who I have a lot of history with. So that's who I had on my mind initially. So, you know, that was never a slight at Jimmy. I didn't even know we were, you know, pursuing Jimmy. So it had nothing to do with any of that. And then obviously I put something on social media saying, um, you know, don't hit me up. Don't stop hitting me up if I haven't talked to you recently. Don't don't hit me up about this 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 stuff. And that was I already said what that was about. That was clearing up the whole. Um, you know, me just getting bombarded with messages like, oh, what's going on? How you feel about this and this, this and that? So, I mean, that could have been anybody. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, like I said um, a couple times now, I'm, I'm excited to, to get to, to work with, you know, the new guys. And Jimmy's a great guy. Love him to death. Um, I didn't know him very well before he got here. But getting to, getting to work together a little bit, be around each other, um, getting to know him, you know, he's a, he's a great guy and definitely excited to get to work with him and, and everybody else that's in here. Why you always lying? <laughs> yeah, Jay-Z said it for me. Thank you. I love I that. It. I didn't Why know him very you? well before he got here. Well, how long has he been there? What you're, you would have us believe it now? Oh, yeah. Is he even we in the building? We just found out he had foot <laughs> surgery and hasn't really done anything this offseason. How does he yeah. got to know Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh-huh. Do you believe him? Do you, are no problem here? Nothing to see here with Devontae Adams and the Raiders? <sighs> I mean, it's fine for now. And if you're Josh McDaniels, like, yeah, we're great. And, you know, rather than call more attention to it. You know what's interesting about both these stories? To me, they provide, once again, a window into the the uh, psychology of the wide receiver. Wide receivers are way out there. And they have to remind constantly the quarterbacks and everyone, hey, throw me the ball. Throw me the ball. How 
come you didn't throw me the ball in the huddle? So they're constantly chirping. That's the nature of the position. So it carries over into other aspects of their personalities. They are unhappy about who the quarterbacks are, who they might be, who they were. I need to do this because that's the nature of a wide receiver. Uh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and the wide receivers are the squeaky wheels of football players. I've said it, it takes a certain personality type to to play that position in this ultimate team sport where everything is so cluttered in the middle of the field to be out there, both wide receivers and cornerbacks, to be out there on that island by yourself and believe in yourself that you can go and do the things that they do. It takes a certain personality type, and I think it does come out sometimes yeah. in, in, in them in – them, not being shy and not, and, and not yeah, being bashful be. away, away from the field. Yeah, if you're and, like, I guess he shouldn't throw the ball to me. You're never going to get the ball. I, so. I'm not buying it. I, I said when when we first heard the comments a couple weeks ago that, that he he seemed un, displeased with, with the way the offseason had gone and with Jimmy Garoppolo being his quarterback. This smacks to Same me. Jimmy. Jimmy could throw the ball throw real far. <laughs> this smacks yeah. to me yeah, of a situation where Devontae Adams voiced his displeasure to the organization and they they said to him, look, uh, we get it. You're unhappy. but And we we're just talking about the dead cap hit of cutting a DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's 27 or $28 million dead cap if they were to trade Devontae Adams this offseason or cut him. And they just can't do that. They, they can't afford to do that and just have that kind of dead money on their payroll. So they basically told him, look, we get it. Nothing we can do about it now. Let's make the best of this situation. Right. And Devontae Adams is is... He's a good dude. I, I I talked and covered about Devontae Adams for a long time in my time in Milwaukee. He's a good dude, and I think he, he can understand that there's not a lot, that everybody's sort of the, stuck in this marriage. And so, yeah, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to try and make the best of it, and I'm going to try and calm the, the, the waters here by with some comments at OTAs. Roms, you know what the weirdest thing he said was? What's that? He went on and on. We, we played part of it there mm-hmm. about everyone's doing this and saying this about me and saying this. And he said, uh, you know, I don't ever want to make Jimmy feel bad or Josh. He said, if you're bored, quote, if you're that bored, go play Monopoly or some bleep. Who, who, who plays Monopoly? <laughs> mo money, mo money, mo money. Hey, you bored? Yeah. You got, you got Monopoly around? Let's I thought, go. And real quick, before we get to the break, I thought Josh McDaniels kind of, in his comments, kind of fumbled the ball on this one. He, he, he continues to come off as... As abundantly arrogant in my book when Josh oh, McDaniels yeah. opens his mouth. It's not really my concern that anybody necessarily adopts every vision that Dave or I have for the decisions that we have to make. Sometimes those are difficult. The thing I'd say about a player like Devontae, and we have many other players in the same category, is they have an opinion and a voice because they've earned it. And he sort of salvaged it there at the beginning. Yep. But in the beginning, he's, he, or at the end, I mean, but at the beginning, he's, he basically says, I don't give a damn. I don't, I don't care if Devontae Adams or anybody else buys into our vision. We know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And Devontae and anybody else better just get in line with what we're doing. That's not how leaders lead. You need people to believe in your vision to follow you. You know what I mean? You need people to, to, to be inspired by your vision to follow. You can't just, I don't care. Yeah, you're not happy, but I don't care. Go, you have the right to say whatever you want. You've earned that, but I don't care mm-hmm. at the end of the day. That's not how leaders lead. No, but this is a difficult situation for the most part. I think he handled it about as well as he could. This happens. Uh, we're fine, and we're on to Cincinnati. I just I, To say I don't care is the part that rubs me the wrong Everything about Josh McDaniels rubs me the wrong way. 
starting with a very punchable face. But his I ac- hate you. His actions as well often rub me the wrong way. Right after this, a little something we call, how did we not get into it? Huh. How did we not get into this thing we're about to talk about? That's the show. Cattle's out. Rami in. Whitey in for Cattle's, who will be back Tuesday after the long Memorial Day weekend. You know, Whitey, I am uh, I'm remiss because I had not seen this. It's a, it's a few hours old now, but I had not seen this via the Kansas City Star. Devontae Adams, who we were just talking about, is being sued by the videographer who he pushed during the uh, 2022 season. The Chiefs and Raiders are also being pushed. Park Zebley. Sued, you mean? They're also being sued. sued. Yes, I'm sorry. Park Zebley alleges he feared for his life after he was allegedly assaulted by Adams and was diagnosed with concussion symptoms. Now... The the concussion, some damages I could un, I could understand, and people are going, oh, you just pushed him. We, we were talking with Jerry Reynolds yesterday about this new rule of flopping is going to be a technical down. He was like, yeah, I like it, but also how do you figure out when it's flopping and when, you know, you just got bumped into by Joel Embiid, and I don't think anybody knows what it's like to get yeah. bumped into by Joel Embiid until you get bumped into by a Joel Embiid. Devontae Adams is a large very strong man. Like, Especially put, when fully padded. And, and fully padded and upset after a hard loss. It's like Iron Man running into Pushing you. Pushing a guy to a ground can do some damage. So the concussion, and like I said, maybe some damages uh, be, being paid to this guy makes sense to me. The part where he says he feared for his life, to me, that's that's hyperbolic. And and that's where I start to sort of roll my eyes at this a little bit. Am I, am I wrong on that? Um, sure. On the other hand, I mean, legally, he's got some grounds here. Do we know, we have any idea what he's asking for? I don't, I don't see. It's just us being sued. That's all it says here in the article that that I'm reading. I mean, there's going to be a settlement, right? And it's going to be pretty hefty. And he's just trying to push that total as high as it can go. Sure. But feared, feared. Hey, that's, that's the American way. (laughs) I guess. Yeah. He's just playing the game, I guess, is what you're saying, Whitey. Time to get into a little something we call around here. How do we not get into that? We didn't miss it. See? See? See right there. You see it? I think it. We just chose not to tell you. Well, we're ready now. It's How Did We Not Get Into It. Get into it, y'all. And this week, we go to the world of boxing. Yeah. For How Did We Not Get Into It. You a boxing guy, Whitey? Um, not as much as I used to be. Same. Yeah. Mike Tyson was one of my favorite athletes. Man, that was 1990, man. That's the last time you watched a boxing fight? No, I'm just saying. Like, that was the last time I was really into okay. boxing. Uh, mine was, was Sonny Liston, and Mike so it's been even longer. <laughs> 80s there, but uh, we got a big one lined up. Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. will fight for the undisputed welterweight championship on July 29th at Las Vegas' T-Mobile Arena. It was announced on Thursday, and uh, if you couldn't tell, Jay is a a big boxing guy. If you couldn't tell by the by the disdain, the disgust in his voice, yes. by Whitey and my uh, <laughs> cluelessness on the subject, Jay is a big boxing guy. Jay, uh, this is I don't even know boxing, but I know enough to know this is this is a big one and one people have been waiting for for a minute. Absolutely, this is the biggest fight that can be made in boxing right now, hands down. Uh, it it takes place in the welterweight division, 147, because there's like 20, there's like 62 different divisions now in boxing. I believe there's like 28 to be to be uh, exact. But this there's is 28. Uh, no, there, there's somewhere around there. Wow, you know something in the 20s, I believe. Okay, I mean they have straw weight, lightweight, flyweight, cruiserweight. You know, middleweight, super middleweight, junior lightweight, okay. lightweight, yeah, welterweight. So I many, there's so many different ones. It's confusing. Yeah, there are, man. Um, but <laughs> 
This is the biggest one that possibly can happen right now. Take it back to probably the last super fight was Mayweather and Pacquiao. Pacquiao. Yeah. Like, this is that type of fight where people like you, Whitey, you know, sure. you guys should tune into this one. This is this would be – go ahead, Whitey. Whitey I was just going to ask you, how long? I like how you raised your hand. <laughs> yeah, well, I know you're that, on a roll there. Yeah, that told me to be quiet immediately. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't that. No, I was <laughs> – how, how long has this been in the making? Because, you know, you, you you look it up and it goes, wait, this for years they've been trying yes. to put this together, right? Yeah, definitely years. It, it goes back to – well, both of the – Crawford and Spence – uh, have kind of came into the came into the boxing world at the same time. Crawford a little earlier than Spence. Crawford has fought at lighter weights, so he's built his way up to 147. Spence has pretty much always been at 147. And what makes this you know spectacular is there's going to be no catch weight. We know it's going to be 147. We saw catch weight a couple weeks ago with Javante Tank Davis when he fought Ryan Garcia. They fought at 136, which is spot smack dab in the middle between two okay um but the other part about this is errol spence has said for the last two or three years that it's tough for him to continue to make 147 he wants to move up but he's not gonna move up until he fights terrence crawford why did it take so long is this just it's politics just boxing, boxing. The business you know the politics of boxing absolutely jay, jay aren't they also both represented by like different networks so then that makes it more difficult with they have to fight each other and there's just a lot of entanglements like that that had to be sorted out. Yes, I love the uh, the Jada Pika Smith entanglement where <laughs> yeah. absolutely was spot on. Yeah, that, that and that that falls into the boxing <laughs> politics. Whitey is yeah. Terrence Crawford was a top ranked guy. Bob Arum, who's been around for many years, you know, a name that everybody pretty much knows at this point, has promoted so many different people, and he was fighting under the Zone and ESPN banner, where Errol Spence is under. Uh, PBC Showtime banner. And nine times out of ten, they don't cross over unless there is right. a super fight. We saw the same thing again when you talk about, like, De La Hoya, Mayweather's, okay. you know, same things. You you basically have to have Deontay Wilder, uh, Tyson Fury, same thing. You pretty much have to have two different networks come together and agree who's going to take the, the lion's share, who's, who's going to actually host the fight. So that's definitely played a part. And because they've been promoted by two different people right now in boxing, there's a, there's, there's like a monopoly going on in boxing. Right. And one PBC showtime, they control pretty much 300 fighters. Wow. All the big names for the most part, you know, which is, I won't dive into who it is, but let's just say PBC controls a lot of the top fighters. And Terrence Crawford, who is considered one of the best pound-for-pound guys, he's not under PBC. So he's kind of one of the big fish that you know kind of got away, or he never was part of it, so he didn't get away. But, yeah, it's kind of that cross-promotion has definitely mm-hmm. played a part. I want to ask politics. you one, one more big-picture boxing question, but just one more on, on this fight real quick, JJ. Yes. Is So are any belts on the line in this? Yes. Okay. Terrence, so... Unification, uh, right? Yes. And it, look, we're we going down a big-time rabbit hole here again, <laughs> especially from guys like yourself who haven't watched boxing since 1992. <laughs> uh, there are four major belts in boxing, right? And they're all alphabet, so I'm not going to say. Okay. There's IBF, WBO, WBC, WBA. Okay. And how we tell the difference is the color of the belt. Okay. Right? Everyone likes the green belt. That's the flashy one, the WBC, World Boxing Council. So Errol Spence has three of the four. Terrence Crawford has one of the four. Wow. Hence, it'll be a unification belt. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
By the way, to answer your question, and I just looked it up, I had no idea. 17 weight classes in professional boxing, five major recognized belts for each of the divisions. JJ, do you think this... Technically, there's four. The other one is the ring belt. Do you think that, like all these different divisions, plus what you were saying about like the business and the politics of boxing... Is that why they've lost some people like me? Like, you don't have just one governing body who says, this guy is the best, this mm-hmm. guy is second best, they'll fight each other for the belt, they'll, f- they'll fight for this much money. It's the, it, it, it has to go through, like, all this red tape and all mm-hmm. this rigmarole and this network and that network and this promoter and that promoter. It just, I get lost in it, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's one of the major three that most people complain about. That's one which is the politics. The second part of it is is we're, we've been talking about the officials and referees. In boxing, that's like one of the huge problems of what people consider what boxing is. And we just saw this past weekend with Devin Haney versus Vasily Lomachenko. A lot of people believe Vasily Lomachenko got, you know, won the fight. Devin Haney won, but it was a close fight where one judge had it 117 versus 112. There's no way if you're watching that fight, someone could win, you know, that many rounds within that 12 round situation. And so that's the other part. And then the third part of it too, is the best haven't fought the best all the time. Hence that's why this fight, even though it's taking long, you can compare it to Mac, uh, Pacquiao Mayweather. It took them a long time. That's kind of the same thing with these guys. Whitey. Yes, that's I'm why like I a like teacher over here. That's <laughs> why I like uh, seriously. Can Olymp- I get an apple? Olympic <laughs> boxing because it's closer to pure. Why are they fighting? Well, because they're fighting for something, and there's less about the politics and the money. And it's I know the Olympics aren't pure anymore, yeah, yeah. but it's closer to that. That's why I prefer Olympic boxing. Yeah, kind of, yeah. I, I mean, I give you that. Olympic boxing has definitely had some uh, big time situations I know, where you know, I know. The, the Roy Jones Jr. and you do have Floyd Mayweather. Nowadays. Yeah, very true. And then the other part about boxing, too, is, and this the, this the other part about the best not facing the best is, like Vasily Lomachenko, he fought in three different Olympics. And he fought 300-some amateur bouts, you know, and he's mm-hmm. from Ukraine. Cuba's like that as well. A lot of their, you know, big-time fighters, they fight under the Cuban subjection, and they don't turn pro. They kind of have to defect to yeah. turn pro. So, yeah. you know, you don't get to see some of their guys early on and – uh, it takes a while. Boxing's got a lot of problems, man. Definitely. That, that's uh, how did we not get into it? And I just learned. I learned a lot right there from our man JJ on the other side. Of you guys the watching glass. the fight? Uh, I might. Where, where's where, where where you at for the fight? What, what's, I'm invited what's to your house. Yeah, come on. Is it Sunday? Man. Sunday? No, it, this July. is July, oh, brother. July. You <laughs> said oh, it my yourself. You <laughs> okay. July 29th. We got plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> it's the weekend. Maybe man. July 29th is Sunday. Maybe you're right. I don't know. Right yeah. after this, speaking of fights, I will challenge Rob Manfred to a fight again. It's Cattles and Rami. Cattles and Rami. Sactown Sports.